The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. Did you ever want to know about this? Did you ever want to know about that? Well, now you can know about this and that with This on That. I'm Chad Foglin. And I'm Mike Solari, and we're going to bring along a lot of funny people for you to enjoy. Celebrity guests. Musicians. Uh, people who are just weirdos. The guy outside. Our friends. And that's it. And they talk about whatever topic they want to talk about, and we join in. So listen to an episode. It's free. On iTunes. It's on the Nerdist School Network. The Novice and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hi, everybody. We are the Novice and Frank. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to talk about comic books today. What a surprise. That's right. If you didn't come here for comic books... You might want to just get the hell out right now. That's or right. stay and maybe be pleasantly surprised. I don't know. There you go. Um, so uh, my name is Amanda. I am the comic book novice. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm Frank. And we got a special guest today. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm Chris. I'm with uh, Tim Talk, which is one of the other comic book theme podcast in our school network yes so it's it's not quite a, it's not quite a crossover but we've we no. done a couple of crossovers with you guys and we have we're yeah. big fans that's right it's cool about the nerdist school uh network podcast is that uh for all the superhero movies this year we're all doing crossovers so mm-hmm. it's been a chance to be able to talk and interact with people from all the other podcasts so it's been cool to make those connections it's and been now a lot of fun we get to uh, greedily pull chris from yes. Tim talk into our uh, Novice and Frank podcast. Well, I, as soon as I kind of learned about you guys, and which did, I had to mention this comic, DC New Frontier, because it is probably one of my favorites of all time. And so just any excuse to talk about it. Oh. And talk, we will. I was incredibly excited about that. But so. first, the before we talk. that Chris really wanted to come. Oh, we yeah. We must sing. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> we got to uh, kick it off with an improvised theme song, and then we're going to be uh, discussing that uh, beautiful book that you got there. Yeah. Yeah. All a, right. A tome almost. It is almost. Oh, you yeah, could call it a tome or an omnibus. It's a weighty tome, this one. It's a weighty especially. tome. All right. Ready to kick it off? There you go. I'm boarding a rocket. Going all over the place. We're living in the past and we're exploring new places together. I was in Korea and I fell on a guy and then I shot him and went against my principles. So conflicted and a lot of people in the story there are dinosaurs. Rah, 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 There's rah, a man rah. from space and how does he learn a race? He watches cartoons in a dead man's apartment. How you doing over there, Chris? I'm good. <laughs> That's right. We're glad to have you today because we're the novice. And, and Frank. Frank. Guys, it's even better in person. <laughs> we, it is so, so amazing. We don't even need to discuss. We've just hit all the entire plot. In That's right. Song. I feel like our songs are getting longer. There Soon you go. it's just going to be an improvised musical, the entire right. podcast. We're just singing in song. The, the whole Novice time. and Frank present an improvised musical. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes. Uh, so we're, we're here at Novice and Frank. We're here at the uh, fantastic uh, Nerdist School Network podcast booth mm-hmm. here next to Meltdown Comics on. Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, California. Yes, mm-hmm. very glamorous. Yes, very glamorous. Very <laughs> glamorous. And uh, we've got uh, our fabulous engineer with us tonight, Trevor. Trevor has a mic. Yay. Yay. We, we bumped him up. We finally said, hey, Trevor, <laughs> get out of mic. 
Yeah, the fans were clamoring. They're like, we can't hear. Tr- you guys keep having conversation with this person off mic, and it's not helpful. So, uh, and okay. like the the musicals, they've just become longer and longer <laughs> and <laughs> more involved. Yeah. Eventually, I will step out of this podcast, and it'll just be you and Amanda. Yeah, right. It's usually you guys. Frank's like, Amanda doesn't know anything about this topic. Trevor, <laughs> step in. And I'm like, this defeats the con. All right, I'm it'll be the, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. The Trevor and Frank. That's, That's right. right. There you go. The Trevor and Frank. Uh, now, of course, uh, Trevor does his own podcast as well. Uh, also with another Chris, they do the podcast of Two Worlds. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we're going to do a segment. It's an unofficial segment. <laughs> unofficial. Uh, I think before I was like, what's Trevor reading? Almost like, a, it's like um, from, it's Fred. From Love Shack? Yeah. From B-52s? Fred, Fred uh, <laughs> hey, Fred Schneider. Oh, Fred, yes. Okay, it's like, <laughs> hey, Trevor, what are you reading? It, uh, that's where I respond. Sure. Or, <laughs> yeah. or we could just call it uh, Trevor's Picks. I don't yeah. know, guys. Um, just show we're, it to us. We're, we're still working, say we're still working reading, it so. out. All right. So what I picked up is Paper Girls number 12. Nice. Uh, Paper Girls was on a little hiatus for a little while, and now it's back. Um, and that's been awesome. I definitely <laughs> like it. Because it's cool because this is one of the first times um, I've gone to a Brian K. Vaughn book knowing the artist, Cliff Chang. Hmm. Um, all the other times, like with Fiona Staples, like I was discovering her, um, discovered uh, Pia Guerrera. Um, that was when I first, uh, like with Ex Machina, that's when I learned about Tony Harris. And so it's kind of nice to come into that and like have expectations for the artist and be digging that. And then... Chang, Chang isn't new to the series though, right? He's been... He's no, he's been, been there from the start. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's basically the co-creator as the artist uh, love, on the book, but he, book. he had this awesome Wonder Woman run. Like the New 52 Wonder Woman was awesome under him and Azzarello. Um, okay. Shit went crazy. Um, and then the other thing I got was Galaxy of Brutality, number one. Uh, I have no idea what the fuck this book is about. What made you pick it? Um, Black Mask. They are this new uh, indie publisher that have oh, been publishing cool. for about year and a half, two years max. Um, they had this really cool series. Um, oof, what is it? Uh, oh, gosh. They had they had one really cool series that like kicked off their... Um, their line of books that was awesome and it's basically about this um uh guy and girl like kind of like classic kind of bonnie and clyde things go wrong she has powers and he's sort of unhinged and it's great cool um and then i've read some of their other books and they've all been awesome so when i saw this i decided to take a chance on it all right it's also cool. it's a fifth week so that's when the the wacky stuff comes out is that true it is, yes. I, Usually that's when the, the publishers kind of gamble on unusual titles and stuff. Like so, this week is DC's doing a big crossover between their Hanna-Barbera properties and DC comic characters. So oh, it's like, that's f- right, so yeah. the fifth week, so if there's a fifth week in the month, it's kind of like when, uh, it's like SNL's last sketch of the night. Yeah, yeah, the try, yeah, there you so go. It's like, oh, look at that. It's like we're going to gamble on a thing because if we run out of time and we have to cut something, we don't want to cut like one of the best ones, which is mm-hmm. funny because usually the last sketch, I, I, I usually like those because they're a little more offbeat. What's well, either really good or you're kind of like, eh, all right. yeah, I, I have to admit, I haven't actually watched Starting Alive all the way through in many, many years. Yeah, some of them are great. I think Wayne's World was um, one of those. It was the last sketch really? of the night. Yeah, yeah. it's true. What? Oh, that's insane. That's where it started off as. But yeah, basically, because the comic book publishers, they plan for four weeks of the month. And so that's how they schedule their regular books. And mm. so there's five fifth weeks in a, in the year. And so that'll just be like, all right, we'll take some chances. We'll do some stuff. Or we'll do something. We'll do a, a fun little crossover, like uh, Frank mentioned with the DC stuff, or we'll do... 
um, some fun little other thing. Or like it'll be when they release like trades that they're like putting back into print. Like they have this whole like Ben Riley Scarlet Spider Man thing out in Meltdown right now. So hmm. I had no idea. That's what a fun little factoid to learn. Mm. What if they did a fifth week series where they just did five throughout the year and it was like a five part event? Oh, with, with like stretches of months between. Well, I mean, certainly mm. giving some of the it's delays in cool, some right? comics. Yeah, but, it, it but, if, anyways, but yeah. if it were intentional, <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I guess it would have to be really good, but wouldn't that be kind of a nice way of structuring things? That'd be kind of cool, yeah. All right. Maybe we get excited for a fifth for a fifth week event. Sometimes you're just kind of like, and they used to, DC used to do a lot more like fifth week events. Okay. Where they would do uh, like little like Emperor Joker or something like that. They just like little kind of knockoffs for a week would hmm. do some kind of like kind of funky crossover. That's cool. All right. uh, but and yes. Those were Trevor's picks. <laughs> <laughs> Please get that sound. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Fabulous. We'll be going with a different, uh, a different title for that every uh, week. Uh, but before see. we get into talking about New Frontier, uh-huh. I just want to ask because uh, I saw it. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Uh, the Spider Man. Uh, trailer for oh. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I'm a little intrigued. Compare and contrast that to the Justice League one. Which one, if watching both those, which one got you more excited? Oh, well, I mean, that's an obvious answer right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris is clearly a Justice League fan. Yeah, you know, I just, oh, I can't wait. It just looks so broody and boring. I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> for it. I, you know, the funny thing is I, I really enjoyed the Spider-Man trailer. It didn't get me any more excited for the movie, though, weirdly enough. I feel like some of the criticism was like, well, well I guess we know what the whole, the whole movie's about. A little bit, yeah. And maybe just in contrast to the way they've been marketing Guardians, where it's like mm. we still don't know anything about it, but all the trailers are really fun and get you amped up. This was felt very more traditional, which I guess shouldn't be too much of a surprise. But. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess, I, I mean, certainly I'm sure there's the last little bits and pieces that we don't know about that we'll find out in the film. But yeah, I yeah. feel like for Peter Parker's journey, at least, this trailer pretty much spells out what his character arc is going to be throughout the whole film. Yeah. I wasn't like, well, I should get those tickets in advance. I didn't feel that way, <laughs> like, when I saw it. Yeah. I, and maybe that's because I, I mean, I I also am super jazzed about Guardians, and, I, and I'm really excited about Deadpool, too. And so I think that when you and there's such different movies, so it's not fair to compare them. I say, I mean, I fully know that they're gonna be way different films with different tones. But it's like those movies. I was like, I want to go late mm-hmm. and like get a shit ton of candy and like have the whole experience. And Spider Man, I'm like, yeah, I'll probably like see that. You know, maybe like a matinee, <laughs> maybe like a Sunday. You know, but there's still something to see. But I see him interacting finally with Marvel Universe characters. Yeah, yeah. and uh, maybe that's part of the reason why we're less excited about, it, or at least Amanda and I are less excited about, it, is because we got that already in Civil War. Like, I feel like Civil War was that sort of thing, like, like oh my God, it's finally Spider-Man. He looks awesome. Like, the tone seems right. He's with the characters. And it seems like that it's kind of happened already. Yeah. I'm always skeptical. I'm always skeptical when I see, like, and now it's going to be an ensemble piece because I feel like that's something that it's so, we've had this, I'm not going to, like, beat a dead horse, but, like, it's so hard to do that well in films when you bring in like a whole crew, a whole mm. team of people, you know, all these different characters and give each of them their due without making them feel like they just pop in for a one-liner every once in a while. Do you know what I mean? Well, I feel like it, I mean, Tony Stark, I don't think we're going to see a big character arc for him. Yeah. I don't think. No. I, I think he's just serving there as just a uh, antagonist to Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be in it less than it seems based on the trailer. I think they're really pushing in the trailer just to be like, hey, you know who it was Iron so Man is. Yeah. yeah. Which there's a, so. if you think about it, there's a weird irony there that at this point they're having to use <laughs> Iron Man to market a Spider-Man yes. movie. Like yeah. when did we think that would ever happen? <laughs> no. It's so strange. How about you, Frank? What do you, what do you think about I'm, it? I'm interested and I'm intrigued like the way that he puts on the costume. 
where it's just really baggy. Oh, yeah, and it's then like balloons. Like, yeah. yeah, and then it zips up, like, almost like sucks in. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of an interesting way. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like the, the, the tight spandex, sometimes it's not the, the quickest thing to change into all the time. Right. So Which we saw in the Deadpool trailer. That's true. Oh, yeah. my, yes. Oh, so much booty. Such a great trailer. <laughs> a lot of booty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, I think Michael Keaton would be really good as a vulture, and I'm I'm glad yes. to see like a character I've not seen before. Yeah, that's yeah, exciting. That's probably the most exciting thing about it, I think. Yeah. Just, uh, Keaton, well, he's so good, and knowing that he's part so of good. Damage Control, which is such a cool yeah. little Marvel nugget. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm excited to have that. Uh, who knows if it'll ever be really embraced throughout the rest of the other films? But just the fact that it's been kind of incorporated, it's kind of nice not to bring that old Marvel kind of property and put it into these films. Yeah. How about a Justice League? I mean, I don't know. Ugh. I, I know. That's just <laughs> so much exhaling. I feel, uh, I feel like it was interesting. I feel like Aquaman, for some reason, just always has a tough time as a comic book to be exciting for readers. Mm-hmm. But boy, in other mediums, he is always usually like the, a really standout character. Like mm-hmm. Batman Brave and the Bold, this trailer. Uh, I feel like he really stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might be the one part that I'm kind of excited about. Just Jason Momoa is awesome. He is yeah. awesome. Um, Even though he's taken, I mean, I don't know. Uh, people are I, when they first announced him people were like that's not Aquaman Aquaman he doesn't look like a swimmer I'm like right but he's from Ho- he's Hawaiian like he surfs yeah. like the dude can probably swim <laughs> you know and <laughs> he can actually he <laughs> had to learn how to swim to do this oh film. wow oh gosh this is the first time he ever swam oh my god yeah, I'm man. so worried for him now oh my it's god. mostly just footage of him doggy paddling and they yeah. had to do a lot of CG work to <laughs> get there wouldn't that be so, so uncomfortable though and funny if you went to the movie and it's just him like <laughs> 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 just like, can't do it. Everybody just assumed throughout the whole casting process and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Of course he can swim. Well, but he's from Hawaii. Then yeah. we get out there and he's like, I'm not going to tell him. And then he's got to be called <laughs> up. Like, uh, all right, I'll swim out there. <laughs> you know, he just got orange and green, like little floaty wings on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, I guess they, and they haven't, you know, shown Superman in any of the trailers yet. No. Uh, mm. And they, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to see it. But I'm also not really excited about Did it. Did Frank no. Superman's dead? Uh, of course. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, like I was, me learning there's no Santa. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what? I, I was watching it. And I, what stood out for me was it looked very generic. And the, we don't even know who the villain is. I guess it's, it's like Steppenwolf or something. But I don't even know who that is really as a character. And I know DC stuff pretty well. And you can contrast that the Avengers, like, oh, it was Loki's coming in. We already knew him, and he's really charismatic, and like, he can carry himself on screen. I'm like, what is this going to be? Is it just mm-hmm. going to be two hours of Batman machine gunning parademons? <laughs> yeah, and so I, it already feels like you're setting that up to, like, of course, you're going to have Steppenwolf, then eventually it's got to be Apocalypse and Darkseid, but that probably yeah. for the next film. Right. So we're, we're just kind of setting it up. And as much as I like Cyborg, I've always liked him better with the Teen Titans than I have with the Justice Same. League. Yeah. And so just to see him here, I'm just like, eh, he does really nothing for me. No, because I think when he was with Teen Titans, I, mean, I always think of the, the cartoon, he always had such a personality. And then yes. like you put him with the Justice League and they have to almost kind of tone him down and make him less fun. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is not as great. Well, I guess when we have our crossover on those two films, everyone will know how we felt about it. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, as a sneak peek into our we opinions. Sneak yeah. peek into, <laughs> prove us wrong, movie makers. I'm, Prove us wrong. I'm totally happy you're proven wrong. Yeah. yeah. So me too. If I could actually come out of a Justice League film and be like, "Yes, go see this movie," yeah, I just feel like I'm not going to. And, and if anything, re- like rereading this in prep for the podcast made me more sad about the movie because, like, what a beautiful this... segue. Oh, I know. Look at that. It was mm. almost like I was intentional. It's almost like you host a podcast <laughs> or something. You know how to do this. Yes, we're talking about New Frontier. That's right. As Chris mentioned one of his favorite stories. Oh yeah. And Chris, of course. 
for bonus points, brought in the sweet Absolute Edition. Yeah, I mean, I, I hauled this thing over here because I've, <laughs> I've never had, I don't know, I honestly don't remember how I first discovered this comic or why this was the version that I bought. Uh, but what I love about it is that it has a whole section in the back that goes through and has all of uh, Darwin Cook's notes. Oh, yeah, that's And, like, cool. in references, and it shows all the old comics that he pulled stuff from and his thoughts going through the whole thing. So, like, I, I kind of skimmed through the comic game, but then, you know, very carefully read through all those notes. They're so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, What I like is that people at home can't see it, but you heard that thunk when it landed on the on the table. Like, it is, Sorry, that might have been a little Trevor too much of a spike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so uh, Darwin Cook, I mean, he got to start uh, doing uh, work on the, uh, the Batman animated series and Batman Beyond. That's where he got started? Yeah, because he did yeah. the intro for Batman Beyond. Yes. Yeah. And this was a series, too, right, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a six-part series. Okay. Uh, no, no, I mean... A TV, sorry, they did a direct-to-DVD movie. Okay. Oh, yes. Adaptation, okay. yeah. Okay, how was that? It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, man, I, I also felt like... I thought there was like a sweet spot with the Batman animated series kind of animation, and I just felt like this animation for New Frontier was just kind of... Yeah. yeah, and because and the... The art in the book itself is gorgeous, and I guess I felt that their like film version was okay, but just not quite as distinct. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like they softened a lot of the edges of the story a little bit too, which I mean it makes sense. It's a really dense story to get it into like you know, a, I guess it's about a ninety minute movie would be mm-hmm. tough, but yeah, it's and it's just weird to see like wow, this is like somebody else like Darren Cook who who started off doing animation, and then somebody else is interpreting his graphic novel. Into an animated medium, it's like that's oh, sort of right. weird, it's isn't it? Kind of get diluted yeah. a little through the yeah. process, huh? A little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. So, so you love this? I do, yeah. I, 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 I absolutely you feel like do. Very <laughs> you love this one? <laughs> no, yeah. no. I just, I kind of want to get back to kind of like. I, um, I think this is probably one of the comics I've read the most up there with, uh, like Long Halloween and Hush. Something. Okay. Did you come into this as a Darwin Cook fan, or was it more just about the characters that brought you in? I think it was the characters. I, I, I the Jimmy don't remember how I first discovered this. I, I imagine I must have just been like like looking through the aisle one day at like Barnes and Nobles and seeing what I imagine was a uh, less dense version of the uh, actual format. Um, and then maybe because it was two parts, I'm like I'd rather have it in one. That's why mm-hmm. I got this. But I didn't really know Darwin Cook going into this. Um, I, I mean, because... I, for me, there's like the whole space race element, which maybe that's how I first heard about it. Mm-hmm. I, I legitimately don't remember, but like that's part of the reason I keep reading it over and over again is that it's just there's so many things in here that are amazing, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to to take some kind of real touchstones from history and kind of re and kind of tag the uh, the DC characters along that. Oh yeah, that, that's something that I've always loved is whenever they can uh, like weave fiction into real world events. So like you know the end of X Men First Class, you know doing the whole Cuban Missile Crisis, like bringing those things together. I really love that stuff. And this this whole book is that. I mean, there's nothing, you know, critical to the world that's happening in the 50s and 60s they don't touch on at some point. No, and it's so, it like, especially like with Hal Jordan, it's kind of, it's, speaking of the space race, it's such, such a character right there to think about like Chuck Yeager and all these other people that are yeah. involved in that to see that he was just kind of grew up idolizing them, got to meet them as a kid or uh, was kind of as we find out later in the story, why he's kind of not eligible or he's kind of taking himself out of the race for that. Yeah. And everything that happened in Korea. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think um, I think it's it's so interesting. I, cause I, I guess I hadn't realized this until afterwards I was going back and sort of collecting my thoughts about it. But I think it's – when I was reading it, I was thinking how well the art matched the story mm-hmm. and matched the storytelling and didn't realize that the illustrator was the same as the writer. At the time. And I was like, well, that makes sense because it's this nice, harmonious, everything works together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, when I started it, I was like, from the art style, I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of like a, like, 
hey there, pooch. Like, oh boy, when would the boys come back to war? And then oh, it's like, yeah. this kid dies like four pages in and I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. it, oh God. And I was glad, I was glad for that though. Mm-hmm. It caught me off guard. Oh yeah. You know, cause I, I was like, okay, this is clearly kind of like a period piece. It's got this sort of like fun noir feel to, feel to it. Um, but I, at first I thought it was gonna be like, oh, this, this is just tremendous and we're here in this great day and age. And then it's like, then <laughs> this kid dies and now I have to like carry his body and have a burial for him and dinosaurs, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be very poppy. It does, and yeah. And then you get, it's like, oh no, it's actually pretty serious it all is. the way through. A lot of self-sacrifice in this one too. There's oh, yeah. like a really thick running theme of self-sacrifice throughout the entire story, I feel like. I feel like when you do, I don't want to say like it's an alternate, like DC used to do the Elseworld stories. Yeah. But I mean, it's certainly, it's like its own self-contained kind of universe and story so that basically, for the most part, if you're reading a standard DC story, you would think like, well, of course they're not going to do anything with Superman or Batman or Martian Man or you're, you're not going to kill off these characters. But in this, when you can kind of tell it in your own universe, everybody is at stake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't be sure anybody's going to make it through a story. Well, mm-hmm. and, and so uh, Cook set some like ground rules for himself so that basically... Uh, things had to happen as they happen in our world. So one, historical events, but two, for example, like uh, in the story, The Flash becomes The Flash in 1956 is when his comics first started coming out. So like that was one of the ground rules he set for himself, but also maintaining events in the DC continuity too, as much as possible. So like, you know, towards the end, we see the fate of like Captain Adam who will become the Captain yes. Adam. And it's like, you know, it technically he was in a nuclear accident off the Cape. So it's still... Still kind fits. of fits, right? So he even like you know ground himself in the DC timeline, much less the real timeline. No, that, that was just the nice touches. The only thing that that bummed me out about it was as a, as a huge fan of the Justice Society, that our, oh yeah, man, just like our our only really interaction with them for the most part, at least in costume, is Rex Tyler's our man, and then he's like, yeah, oh why, why, why? Did you I know, but this- that's. Such a great segment, though. It's because, like, all the Vertigo references of him coming down off the skyscraper. It's, yes. It's so cool, but you're right. Like, I love Our Man. It would have been cool to see more of him, but it, it fits in context. But yeah, Definitely. Yeah. This wasn't the first time you read this, though, right, Frank? No. I, okay, when I, did you first read this? I read it when it first came out, and then, then I, I think I made about the trades. And then, because I always think that, oh, that bums me out about DC, is that they will never, I wish they, up front, they would tell you, guess what? We're going to publish this as a trade, but then also in a while we'll publish this as a hardback. We'll also publish it as an absolute. Yeah. So just so you know, and you can pick the format that you want. And it's like, because yeah. I, I will buy it in multiple formats. I buy I bought it in the absolute as well because it's like, yeah. why wouldn't you want this art as big as possible? Yeah. I, I've now discovered you can get the absolute in a like smaller trade, like yes. paper, paperback. I know because I bought that for Cameron, my, my co-host. Because I was like, Cameron, you got to read this, but here is a like much more manageable copy to carry You're around. Like, Cameron, you got to read this, but I don't trust you. It's my beautiful. Oh, it's hell no. Yeah. <laughs> hell no, no. I will buy one for someone before it ever lent it out. Like this is, this is sacred for me. Yeah. Now, as somebody who uh, is not, I guess, like in the lore of DC comics, like mm-hmm. the like the earlier, like the, the starting point, the origins for a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. How did you like reading this? Just kind of. I mean, I really liked it. I think for me, the tone worked. You know, it felt mm-hmm. consistent. It felt fun and sort of, I don't know how to, it was like very fresh and also um, it felt like you could feel a sense of history with it too. Do you know what I mean? Like it felt like it was paying homage to the history, the limited history that I know that I have. But because it's rooted in actual history, like as we, as we know it, you know, as, as people in this world, mm-hmm. um, it, it was kind of a nice, it's sort of nice fitting things in like that, you know, like, okay, here's the Cold War, like these, you know, few things I know about the Cold War with these awesome characters kind of thrown in there. You know, there were a lot of people introduced, 
I felt like, but some of them I do want to know more about. Like, our, what's it? Our Man? Our Man, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was interesting. Because he just, like, prevents stuff, right? That's, like, kind of his, like, yeah, kind, like, <laughs> his jam. He's, but like, he uh, uses this drug, a uh, miracle, that gives him an hour of power. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he goes back and just basically like, stops things from happening. No, yeah. well, <laughs> he doesn't go back in time at all. He just has, like, he, enhanced abilities. Okay. He, yeah, so he's kind of like a... He's a vigilante. He's kind of like a Batman, but he has enhanced strength because he takes all these drugs all the time. Right. Oh, we've talked about him. But why? But okay. I guess maybe I'm confused about what he does then. You know, That's I, why I want to know more about him. But there's also multiple like... versions of Our Man's. So that might be why. Okay. Yes. There's a cool run by Rags Morales and Tom Pyre in the 90s, early where he's a robot from the future. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That are, that's really cool. Hmm. That's a, that's a, that's a fun read as well. So he just has a bunch of drugs that he takes and he gets to, what's the deal? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. look at okay. that. Yeah. But That's then, of course, thing. he had to battle his addiction, and then he came up with a, a array that would give him that without the addictive properties. Yeah. But he had to he had he had to wean himself off the off the juice. So you to gotta speak. get off the juice, man. Yeah, yeah there's right. just there's so many. I don't know. I love the design. I like the character design in mm-hmm. it a lot. And, um, but there there are there's just a lot of characters. Were, I mean, were there like other the characters that you hadn't seen before, or had like only a little bit of knowledge of? Um, who was there? There was a. Because you've got, like, the losers. You've got, yeah, which was yeah. fun to see, like, you know, like, where the lo- ask, you can ask this person, they'll say I'm this. You can ask these guys, they'll yeah. say I'm this, but I'm Cloud. What's his name, <laughs> Something Cloud? Oh, yeah. oh, John, not Johnny Cloud, no. Oh, gosh. Cloud. I have it right here. It's and almost like I can say, look it up. <laughs> and they'll say he's a loser. That's right. Which is kind of fun. Because, um, I mean, there's a lot of really deep cuts. Like, characters I had didn't know about, like, the Challenges of the Unknown oh, yeah. and, like, the Phantom Stranger. People I didn't uh, know going to this. John Cloud. John Cloud, John Cloud, yeah. Yeah, one I, of the losers. Yeah, so I um I liked seeing Wonder Woman interact with the Amazons in the way that she did. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think like who else there was. Because like, no, then you also got like the like you know not uh, Black Hawk. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, C-Devils. Black Hawk. I was like, it's not. I was kept saying Hawk Hawk in my mind. I was like Hawk Hawk Hawkeye. No, because <laughs> there's like Black Hawk. There's Hawkeye. There's also there's Hawkman. Hawkman. Yeah. And there's another Hawk. There's some other um, Hawk. Uh, then you've got like King Faraday, you've got you know Martian Manhunter, you've got Slam Bradley. Martian Manhunter, I would, I would like to know a little more about. He's he's one of my favorite. Oh, he's he's, he's amazing. I and this is a great version cool. of him. Yeah, too, yeah, I thought he was super cool. Um, but yeah, I was like, <laughs> I feel like I just like got like I had like a little fit. I was like hawk 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 <laughs> hawk the which, hawk. There's yeah. the hawk one. <laughs> which hawk one? <laughs> which hawk one? There's so many hawks. It's really you got Task Force Ask a Task Force X, which is kind of like the the the. Protoform of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it was like the Suicide Squad before. Um, who who did the the reboot on the '90s when he started using supervillains? Was that John Ostrander? That's thank you. I was like, I was yeah. thinking John Ottman. That's an editor, but yeah, you're right, Ostrander. Yeah, oh, that's a great run. Yeah, I, I haven't read a lot of that, but like that's that's how most people know the Suicide Squad now. Suicide Squad now, especially because the movie. But like, yeah. I, I kind of like this version too, because like this very much fits in the time, which is like this covert. Actually, they're not even really covert. Like they're in the newspapers, right? So they're like, just the U.S. government's answer to not having superheroes anymore. Yeah, I mean, and certainly, and it does play up with, like, McCarthyism and communism and stuff like that, oh, yeah. where they really, they apply that to the superheroes as well. Like, you know, come forth, show us who you are so we know we can trust you. Uh, would As a superhero, would you, could you see the merits of unmasking and pledging your allegiance to that administration? Or would you play it more like the JSA and say, we're just going to fade off in the sunset? I, uh, I don't think I could do that, like, the, to agree to allegiance to like a particular administration, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, mean, I would love to say that I'd be a badass like Batman and just ignore that and keep doing my thing, but I'm not that cool, so that <laughs> it wouldn't pan out. I'd probably just like step away and retire. Yeah, because I feel like it's easy. Well, I don't say it's easy for Superman, but I mean, I guess Superman just wants to do 
the he just wants to do right, and so he's going to do it however he can do that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the interesting things about this book is that you know everyone is trying to do the right thing. Like I was thinking about this today. There's really no villain. No. In the thing, right? I mean, there's no like personified person who is going against everyone. It's all kind of interpersonal conflict. I mean, I guess just the Koreans and the dinosaurs. <laughs> That's true. The damn dinosaurs are just wreaking havoc for everyone. You know, that T Rex with only one arm, you know, he's always causing problems. But I guess Faraday is kind of the closest to a villain. But even he's kind of an emotional turning point. Like he he restores John's faith in humanity at the same time. Yeah, the relationship so. between those two characters is really cool. Oh, it's one of the best in there, I'd say. Yeah. And, man, there's just something about the way that uh, Darwin Cook will draw this version of the Batman. That I, I was just going to oh, ask you about yes. that. Oh. The Batman costume. Yes. Because his whole thing, it was like to make, it's like he wanted to scare the villains, but not the innocent. Is that right? Yeah, like, well, it's about like the early version, kind of like more like the closer to the Bob Kane version. Uh-huh. And then, like, when it came to like more Dick Sprang and he's got Robin and he gets a yeah. little more friendlier in the costume. Yeah. Where, where you notice that once it gets Robin here, the costume's changed slightly. Yeah. So it doesn't look as creepy and stuff. Isn't that yeah. weird? It's such a funny thing. He's yeah. like, well, I got to bring it down a notch. It's like too creepy. <laughs> yeah. like, he has that amount of self awareness, right? That he's like, mm, okay, well, now I got this kid traveling with yeah. me. I should probably tone it down. I, I just love that they, they put him in his original appearance costume. Yes, like because that actually is a really cool looking suit, and but it can be kind of ridiculous. The fact that it works here, and he's still so like intimidating. And the ears are ginormous. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's got these weird like it's the yeah the helmet's strange. It's kind of like the Adam West style. Like the head's huge, and these tiny little weird like like aerials, more like yeah. their ears poking out to the side. It's so cool, and that's one thing I liked about like uh, uh, year one with uh, year zero with uh, Greg Capullo and uh, uh, Scott Snyder. Kind of when they reinterpreted Batman's costume, mm-hmm. for, they got a lot of touchstones to that original costume with the purple gloves and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like, oh, so cool. such a cool look for him. Yeah. The uh, So and then, of course, you have Superman uh, mm-hmm. as, as my favorite hero. But just the way that he's interpreted here by Darren Cook, just, man, just makes him look so great. He's got more of that Fleischer kind of cartoon aspect to him, mm-hmm. yeah. which I'm always a sucker for. Well, and, and he's so well-written, too. I mean, this is, I, you hear people say all the time, like, oh, Superman's a terrible character. Like, no, he's just not often written well. And here he's written so well that he is meant to be like that very self-confident, very optimistic, always trying to do the right thing all the time. And like it sometimes leads him down the wrong path. I and mean, there's that great segment between him and Wonder Woman out in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Where he's kind of got the wrong perspective on things, but he thinks he's right. Yeah. And I do like that, especially with Wonder Woman, the way that she handles that situation where she's basically giving these women a chance to kind of take back their dignity. Yeah, she's like, you don't really get a say in this, (laughs) basically, in so many words. She's like, you don't, it's not really your place. And I don't know, I liked it. I thought she kind of put him in his place in a good way. You know, when he first gets there, he's like, what? What? (laughs) You can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And further proof why Wonder Woman's so awesome, right? Because she's like one of the few characters who should be able to go toe-to-toe Superman, not just physically, but also just like to actually, like you said, put him in his place. Mm -hmm. That she can actually have, in a weird way, a more of a moral high ground that he can sometimes. It's like, he's all like, you can't. And she's like, yeah, shut up. And his little spit curl just goes... Yeah, <laughs> he's like straightens what? out on his forehead. <laughs> he's like so not used to it. Uh-huh. And then I also like when she goes, uh, when her and Superman go to accept that uh, award at the White House, and she wants to use that as a moment to kind of speak up. Oh yeah, about issues, and then it's quietly just shut down. Yeah. And even the president, who they they worked together in World War II, is like, "Yep, I got to get going. See yeah. you later." And I love too that it's Nixon who comes and like cuts her off and yes. like pushes that away, right? Because he's vice president to Eisenhower. Just like, no, 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 no. Oh man! And just like and when Ike says like, yeah, just throws that old, throws that whole line back at her, we just fade away. Just like, see you later. Yeah, and he's so just like fucking. I don't know. It's like 
the general is she's like well it sucked and he's just like hair touch yeah goodbye <laughs> yeah. she's like you don't get to just do that like i'm <laughs> wonder woman damn it like, yeah you don't get to uh maybe so it made me a little angry i will say that let when, her talk when she yeah. shows up at the end uh in the invisible jet yeah it's all the the blood in there just such a cool interpretation of how that looks yeah mm-hmm. that was one of uh, cook's notes in the back was that he wanted to do the invisible jet and not have it just be like that kind of outline like you always see it he really wanted to be truly invisible so that's why he came up with the idea of having the kind of the in and outside of it splattered with blood so you can kind of see the profile Ugh. of the plane it's like God, he's such a genius. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, this is a, as you're saying, it's just such uh, it six issues, and they were six meaty issues before they were collected into this. And oh, they, yeah. So many different characters, uh, t- but I don't feel like it ever gets muddled. No. I mean, so because it, it mostly focuses perspective on, between Hal and John, right? Between mm-hmm. Green Lantern and Marsh Manhunter. Like, they're the two main characters, they have the most distinct arcs. And then I feel like everything else does a really nice job of still um, kind of thematically fitting, right? Like, I think one of the best parts of this is the, the John Henry section i man it's like i can understand why that's in there but mm-hmm. then i also feel like boy it is so it seems tangential i mean i could see where it fits in and why you need to address that given that time period that they're covering in america yeah. that it's a key part but i also feel like it really never ties in to the the main thrust of the rest of the story i think for the re- for me the reason why it works is because i think that's one of the biggest things that uh, causes john to lose faith in humanity right so he's already kind of on edge he goes and watches the like the B movie, B sci-fi movie in the theater with the Martians, and he thinks it's a comedy, and everyone's taking very seriously. And it, you know, he's kind of got they're this. All like, whole, yeah, they're all, they're all getting mad at him. him, and he's like laughing. He's like, "Guys, this is ridiculous!" Like you can see the strings. And then you know, he sees he's reading all these papers and seeing all this like silver unrest, and to see someone who was trying to do the right thing just so brutally taken down in such a horrible way, I think that's a an emotional point for him that I think it thematically really ties in well. But it is you just saying like it doesn't fit into the plot. But I think yeah. it helps establish why he wants to leave Earth. It, it is interesting. Uh, when he comes there, it's so simple for him, too, where he goes, you know, I want to be a good person. I want to do good. Yeah. And just by watching all the cartoons and taking in all, you know, the, the current event, current affairs, current events, uh, absorbing all of that through television. And then so, yep, I still want to do good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's cool. And then just see, sadly, how that kind of uh, real life kind of disillusions him on some of those things. Yeah. I, I, I think I love, too, that they chose to explore his, like, time as a detective. Because right, like even in the Justice League, which I love, and he's great in that, he always is the Martian Manhunter. He's mm-hmm. always this alien. For here, like they have that whole section of him trying to be a human and going out and solving crimes. That even amongst other detectives and cops, he's a little bit weird. He's yeah. a little bit offbeat. That was one of my favorite teams. Was him and Slam Bradley working yes. on that case. Yeah, and just seeing how Slam reaction was like, man, he just he he, tore, he came, went through this door. Like, man, what's he eating? <laughs> what's what's going on? Yeah, right. He's he's just, everyone can tell he's just a little bit weird, but he's yeah. so dedicated. I so I love that. I just love his arc, and I, too. I, I just love Batman just noticing those little small details. So when he does confront him in his apartment, it's like you know, all he needs is a pack of matches. Yes, to take you down. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what? It took. It was like I don't know, like a half a million dollars of alien rock to take down Superman. All I need for you is a penny. Yeah. for a book of matches. <laughs> like man, there's some nice little. Uh, I think that's kind of the 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 updated dialogue right it's like mm-hmm. there's some nice little one-liners in here they're like shut down oh yeah you know, they're asking like they ask the flash how fast is he you know yes. and what does he say they're like they're like hey, he's like well how fast are you kid and he he like shuts him down with like a one a one like now see now i can't remember it man i, know, that always I jumped into I this conversation <laughs> and then was like i don't have anything to say 
Or, I mean, but, a great example of the Flash, though, is at the end when everyone's kind of united together to go take on this giant monster, and Faraday's there, and he's like, hey, hopefully there's no hard feelings about trying to capture that one time, and the Flash just punches him. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't say they walk out the door, and some guy's like, hey, have you seen Faraday? It's like, oh, yeah, he's the guy picking himself off the floor back <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's a lot of stuff like that. Like, yeah. And, and I love that they do use, like, lingo of the time, too. But it doesn't seem, like, forced. Or, right, yeah. Or, like, you're reading, like, an old book from the time where you were like, Oh man, the writing style was kind of clunky, or just mm-hmm. like, yeah. but this seems like it doesn't oh, feel dated. No, which is so nice. Yeah, it, it's like it, it reads modern, but it's using kind of like old style like words. I guess like a good way of putting it. Like yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, it's not sloggy. Like it's, it's like, actually very quick. It's very witty. It's like that doll. You know, the doll over there. She was abroad back in the. She was a nurse's broad back in the. Oh yeah, door, you know, I got her gams. You know, uh-huh. so, yeah, they never, <laughs> never gets quite <laughs> no, that not. bad. Yeah, but yeah, but it's still it's uh yeah it's kind of kind of fresh. I like the I like the image of Superman like a fireball. When he gets oh, shot when he down, gets taken he's like out. flying across the sky, and he's all on fire. Yeah, yeah that really sets really the stakes cool for the last issue. We're like, all right, we just lost our big gun. Mm-hmm. Now what do we do? Yeah, and they just like end it. You're like, I don't know, because you don't know. You don't know if he's even like gonna be okay. Well, because that was one of Cook's intentions with this too, was to transition from the Golden Age to the Silver Age, right? So like over the course of the story, the heroes are in the forefront, you know, who were once Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, are all kind of take a, have to take a backseat to all the new heroes. Yeah. that are coming in. I think he does that so well. I mean, the fact that we don't really get Martian Manhunter or especially Green Lantern until the very end. Mm-hmm. Very true. You know, I, I feel like it comes to like the Superman, if you look at like DC, they kind of approach it in two ways sometimes where it's, uh, Superman was the first superhero, mm-hmm. so he's got to be around from the beginning. So something he was back in the original Justice Society, he was around in World War II, and then they have Earth 1 and Earth 2, and then they kind of reboot the whole universe and say, all right, no, Superman just came back more uh, so he's more of a modern figure. So he came back in, you know, 70s, 80s, and now he's been around since then. Yeah. Uh, but th- and so this, do you feel like Superman needs to be like the their first superhero, or do you don't mind him like kind of being like being uh, seeing the Justice Society and then kind of being inspired by them as well as the upbringing that he has in Kansas to be Superman? Oh God, I thought it was like the right amount of Superman for me. Oh yeah, I'd agree. personally, I think that um, I maybe I'm one of those people. I also I haven't read a lot of Superman on his own. I feel like I've only read mostly Superman kind of as a means of an ensemble. Um, and so when you say people complain about, like, I, I guess I didn't realize that people were like, Superman sucks, he's a lame per, lame hero. I You made a comment earlier where you're yeah. like, people are really critical. I, and I guess I hadn't realized that. I never, I had never heard that before. But in my mind, I went like, well, yeah, I could see that. Because I guess I haven't read a lot of his... Um, him kind of on his own. And within that, I haven't read a lot of him stories that I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. guy, you know? And I, I guess, actually, when I think about it, my favorite Superman stories are usually him as part of a larger ensemble. Mm-hmm. And I think he is at his most interesting when he's paired with other heroes, especially because he will always, like, especially like Batman, right? Superman always the high road, Batman will kind of do whatever it takes. I think part of the reason there's a stigma against him is that uh, Superman in mass media pop culture has never been done very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go back and I really love the Donner movies, but there was so much production interference they're actually pretty flawed mm-hmm. so I think yeah. to this day we've never really had a great Superman movie like I think Donner was the closest but there's still you know weird stuff like him flying around the earth and yeah. memory wipe kisses and stuff like that <laughs> that, that was Richard Lester to be fair but yeah I, I think but I agree with you I think if, if this whole book were him it wouldn't be as interesting as putting the story in the hands of people who are equally as powerful but I'd say kind of more complex I think they kind of temper him a little bit you know, what do you think? Did you want more Superman? Well, you I'm as a sucker for Superman. Uh, but I also love all these old, I mean, I love 
this time period and so in seeing these earlier characters I'm a sucker for like old school DC yeah. characters like the Sea Devils Blackhawks uh, Challenges of the Unknown so getting their time to shine is cool and I'm willing to sacrifice having Superman be like you know the, the guy that saves the day every day mm-hmm. to have him take a little step back so all these other heroes get their moment in the sun do you think that people have a problem with Superman because they think he's like a goody two shoes and yeah. it seems too easy like do you think that because that's I think one of the arguments that I was always hearing is like who would win Superman or Batman it's like well Super, Superman. And I favor, ba- I like Batman. Batman to me is a more interesting character. But I think that if I read a Superman story that was a little darker, then I would enjoy him too. Have you read Red Sun? No, but we've talked about Red Sun. Yeah, that's a good one. Or even All-Star Superman, if you want to see kind oh, of yeah. him at his most kind of aspirational kind of a figure. Do that's I a really that? good one. I might have that one. And Grant Morrison wrote it with uh, Frank Whiteley doing the art. And, and it's, I think I have it at great. home. I just that's good, yeah. It. Yeah, okay. that would be a fun one to talk about. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like when you think of Superman, I think like other comic book characters, they you can associate them with like really like strong runs from other creators. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with Superman, you're just like I feel like it's more like the standalones, like All Star Superman, or things I'd agree like with that that, that, yeah. like, that rise up and like make you pop. Like go read this, you know. Like go. I guess I feel like Batman. You could read the Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill issues, or uh, you know, you could read like the Marshall Rogers and uh, Steve Englehart issues. You know, there's so many different kind of errors and creators that you're like, yeah, these are really great stories. And I feel like Superman doesn't have. That many of those places that you can go, other than maybe like the Doomsday stuff, but I feel like that's more of a pop culture thing than a great story. Yeah, that's kind of just like, oh, this is a really big event in comics. Because I've read, I think I've read all that, the the Death of Superman and the Return of Superman. And it's it's interesting, but it's also very 90s. Mm. Yes. I mean, look no further than this, the mullet. Yeah. You know, just tell <laughs> how 90s it is. <laughs> but such a sad thing. Yeah. I would agree with that, though. Yeah, I, I, I've n- I don't, you don't often hear people talk about like, oh, you got to read this section of Superman comics. Like, it's just, I think... Yeah, it's kind of like his role in other stories that generally seems to work pretty well. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm always a second friend with the Justice League. Uh, yeah. Not, certainly the New 52 or the DC Rebirth has not quite captured the magic, I feel like, of some of the old school Justice League stories that uh, they kind of just make all those characters shine. If you could pick a – I'm sorry. Now I'm like I'm all like interested in Superman. I'm just thinking oh, about the possibilities. Okay. So if you could pick a, like basically assign a writer – and an artist to do a new superhero run with a Superman run. Who do you think would be like your pick for that? To be like, I think this person could do great work with this character. You know, I really enjoyed on like a recent artist that I enjoyed on Superman was uh, Carlos Pacheco. He worked E-Team with Kurt, uh, Kurt Busiek for a long story arc. Hmm. And man, I've always been a sucker for Carlos Pacheco's art. So hmm. uh, Pacheco? I, yeah. That's one of my family names. Oh, really? Like, mm-hmm. oh. What if related? Oh, look into that. There aren't a lot of Pachecos around. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's yeah. from Spain. Oh, well, well, I was told we were, too. Oh, well, we're from oh. The, the Basque region. I say assume that until told otherwise. Yes, okay. I agree. Great. There well, well, I found out, found out more recently, uh, this is, like, not even related to anything we're talking about. <laughs> <so> <laughs> it say it. But, yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's, like, my dad's been doing the whole Ancestry.com thing. We've been able to trace back and back and back, which is cool. But on my mom's side, you know, I was always told doing family trees and stuff where you're from Spain. Well, now it's looking like um, Mexico and more like Native American, which would make sense if you look at like my family pictures of Mm -hmm. that side of my family. But um, if you were, you weren't supposed to talk about it. If you were Native American, you didn't want anybody to know the time that I had like my great grandparents and great great grandparents. So like I know that he was like my great, like my great great grandfather couldn't read. 
Okay. You know, it was like you didn't tell, like you didn't want anybody to know that. You wanted people to think you were just like as white as white as possible because yeah. like it was a whole different time and you were treated so terribly. So it's hard. Like it's been really hard to find any family records. So I'm like Pacheco. That's a name that's not common. <laughs> <laughs> so we're related. Anyway, well, side I say note, guys. hit him up for a sketch or something just because we're family. Yeah, yeah I'd be like, absolutely. hey, brother. What's up, cuz? That's funny. Okay, so Pacheco, and then who is a writer? You want to list like a Maya or somebody else that I might have in my family tree? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a, like a Maya or well, Muslos or. Well, I would love to see it, and it's never going to happen just due to all the politics behind the scenes at DC, but I'd love to see Mark Wade get a real shot at writing a Superman oh, title. Oh, that's yeah. a good call. What are the, what are the politics? Because at, at one point, like he and Grant Morrison and I think Tom Payer were like pitching a kind of reboot uh-huh. to Superman. Where the idea was, I think, uh, Mixel Mixelpitalik was going to... Was going to uh, wipe it. It was the idea was almost kind of doing what Batman uh, Brand New Day did, where it kind of uh, took apart uh, Superman and Lois Lane's marriage and kind of made him just single again. Mm. And then just kind of start telling new stories. Kind of almost kind of reboot the concept a little sure. bit. It's like, that's what's been holding Superman stories back. Yeah. <laughs> Lois Lane. Like, we got to get that guy out on the prowl. <laughs> yeah. That's what the people want to see. It's like Superman nightlife. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I can understand why people want to break up Spider-Man and Mary Jane. But sure. I feel like Superman, he, he works great as a married, uh, part of a married couple. Yeah. I don't feel like, man, making him be with Lois Lane, that's kind of like, ugh. Well, I, and I think what makes him interesting, <clears throat> too, is that it's kind of a reminder that he is still alien. Right, so you put him with someone like Lois, and no matter what, no matter how much he tries to be normal, he never will be, and he'll always kind of know that in the back of his head. And like, I guess there's a similar to Spider-Man, but Spider-Man was a normal kid who got superpowers. Mm-hmm. Or Superman has never been normal, and so like, you know, he's trying to build this normal life around himself. So you put him with someone like Lois, and then it becomes interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's I, that would be cool. I, anyway, so DC kind of put the the kibosh on that, and they because they had other creators that were going to be because they, they felt like. The DC editorial felt like they were kind of making an end run around them. Hmm. Uh, and they said, no, no, no. So they kind of put the kibosh on that. And I, I, I basically, the end result is like DC told Mark Way that you'll never, ever write Superman. That's so sad. <sighs> That's terrible. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like every other freaking corporate field. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like you could just support that and be like, wow, these are some guys with tremendous ideas who, you know, like have some initiative and brought it to us. And like, let's see what happens. Let's discuss it. And so they're like, what? But it wasn't my idea. Get out of here, you. Like, it's just, it's like that everywhere. It just drives me nuts. What a waste of potential. Yeah, it really is, too. Because, I mean, Mark Wade did such an amazing job with Superman in Kingdom Come. Yeah. I, know you, I, know. I know you guys have talked about it yeah. before because that was one of the episodes I listened to because I, I love that story <laughs> as well. And yeah, I because I was trying to figure out to answer your question. I, I didn't even know because I, I actually, like at a deep level, I don't know comics that well. Like I'm not really good necessarily with writers or artists. Like I know runs that I like or certain like one offs. Um, so I'm gonna steal your answer and say Mark Wade because I don't know. And Mark Wade did. Uh, speaking of New Frontier, he did a long run on the Flash, which was kind of very seminal uh, portrayal of Wally West. Kind of really solidified and made that character what he is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I feel like the TV show, The Flash, draws a lot from all of the stuff that he did with the character. Oh, cool. I don't know that. Uh, but I, I love how the way The Flash is portrayed in this. Like mm-hmm. the way when he first takes off to go rescue Iris in Vegas mm-hmm. and how he starts breaking down how he handles speed and where he, when, he can, when he feels he can ramp up speed when he's out of steady limits. Oh, yeah. And so you I, get the sonic booms. He doesn't want to shatter windows. Yes. Right? Yeah. That was cool. And how he wants to slow down when he's about to get hit, hit Captain Cold because he wants him to see it coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just like the way that he's written it was really cool. Trevor's a resident Flash expert. Did you Have you read this, Trevor? Yeah. Did you like the way that the Flash was portrayed in the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's definitely sort of 
the Flash has always been, uh, especially Barry Allen, is such a scientist character, and he was built to... Grant Morrison goes into this in Super Gods, kind of talk about how he's representative of like the space age mentality of the silver age mm-hmm. and so to see him like drawn by darwin cook and really have like that like military cut <laughs> like yeah. have the the full-on like just army uh flat top yeah um it was awesome like this is barry allen is definitely more so than i think a lot of the other characters is from this time yeah and still really hasn't gotten past that i think Hmm. like not to his detriment or anything like that but when you see him here you're just like oh yeah this is where barry allen is at home yeah yeah Yeah, that's cool i thought so too um i mean not like in those exact words i guess but like (laughs) i I thought everything you thought yeah exactly what trevor said um i was gonna say the same thing which is why i asked him uh uh, no i thought i i thought the flash was interesting in this and it was like he felt more why in a couple I feel like I see him sometimes and I, he doesn't feel like he fits always like his I don't know what I'm trying to say in a couple of things we've read I'm like he doesn't necessarily feel like he belongs to the world sometimes really? he doesn't feel hmm. as dark to me sometimes as like the other heroes which do. I like though I, I like yeah I don't dislike yeah. that about him but I don't always feel like the tone is exactly right I feel like he's like they, somebody's like plucked him out of another story and kind of dropped him in sometimes but some, I like that because I feel like the new version where they've saddled him with oh his mother died mm-hmm. and his father was blamed for the murder and how can he right but that felt like, weird too yeah do you know I, what I mean I feel like I, there's like a balance that you I, have to strike with that type of character I think I do know what you mean I think he is noticeably lighter than especially a lot of the other DC characters. I think sometimes they use him as a kind of an awkward um, kind of comedy character. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes the tone doesn't work. Like I think the, the Justice League animated series always did a pretty nice job. And like they actually have a whole arc about how he grounds everyone else, mm-hmm. which is great. But I do know what you mean. Like there are there are some things I've read, some things I've seen where there's like, oh, well, he's got to be like the light, funny one. Yeah, and, and it doesn't make me dislike him, and I don't need him to be like I don't need him to be like this doctorary character because I think like that is like even like when we watch the TV show, I was like, what? She's gonna die. Like, I mom's run gonna die because I hurt. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. No. And like I don't like I don't even dislike the TV show, but I feel like in a couple of mediums that I've seen him, I'm like I like him. I just don't feel like he's grounded sometimes in the world that he's in. Like, they want him in there, but I, I don't know that they know always, like, how to handle him. Well, at some point during... It was around this time that Wally West sort of was elevated to, like, almost the conscience of the DC universe. Because mm-hmm. this was around the time when uh, Identity Crisis was coming out. And a oh, lot of, like, yeah. they're really, really, like... The first time DC really confronted its dark, uh, grim and gritty... Uh, era of comics from the late 90s was like in the around this time that new frontier was coming out which is also why it was so well received at the time too it was such a like antithesis to what was happening in dc comics at the time to just see them clear cut in darwin cook's artwork was just so refreshing Mm. but wally was in this weird state of like being like the leader of the new guard, like basically him and Dick Grayson, and he sort of was put into this place of being the conscience mm-hmm. of the DC universe and just be like, no, this isn't the way we do things. And sort of because he was the sidekick who grew up and like idolized these people, and now he's be an adult and seeing them for who they are. Yeah. And that sort of has translated into Barry Allen being like the standard bearer of hope, mm-hmm. basically in the Justice League and the DC universe proper. Oh, yeah, yeah no, I agree with that because I feel like of all the sidekicks, he's the only one that really permanently assumed the, his, the mantle. Yeah, the mantle. Oh, that's true, yeah. 
do Everybody you kind of take do you like that I knew what the mantle was and mm. used it Ooh. in the appropriate yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're I will allowed go. to be impressed. <laughs> yeah. um, I will say uh, real quick, Chris brought up uh, just the animated series mm-hmm. and there, the, that episode where uh, where Flash takes down uh, the Luther Brainiac combination and then oh, gets yeah. sucked into the Speed Force. Such that is such a great moment for for Wally West in there. Oh yeah, because yeah, I mean that whole season was based on yeah. the fact that without him, they would become monsters. That's like the Justice Lords or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Justice Lords, that's fun. Do you like his Frank? I know you're like stickler for costume. I liked the big wings on his head. Yes, the big helmet. Oh, yeah. Did you like that? Yes. Did you like his costume. I thought his. I thought the Flash's costume. This was good because his the, like the big wings were so huge, and it's like what I think of when I think of kind of these old school superhero costumes, like everything's sort of bigger than life. Well, or I, smaller oh, yeah. if you're Batman. Like little, yeah. like, <laughs> tiny little things, ears. Yeah, little bit of <laughs> but ears. But like, also like the redesign for Captain Cold too, where he comes in and he's wearing that big, huge, long, kind of like fur-esque coat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, no, oh, that was a nice little touch. I like Frank that. Frank likes his superheroes looking yeah. like pimps. That's right, man. <laughs> Come on. So like, fun little thing too, the uh, the Captain Cold in this is drawn off of Grant Morrison. Like that's who the character model is <laughs> for Captain oh, Cold. that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I like, also like about that Vegas scene is uh, we saw Iron Man, but the other real big Justice League, Society character we see is uh, Wildcat. Oh, we yeah. We get to yeah. see him. We see him just as his boxer, as, as Ted Knight. But uh, him going up against uh, Cassius Clay, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, just, yeah, man, yeah. Uh, I thought that was... It's like the last minute. He's like, punch. Yes, I'm just going to... Yes, I know about life and death. I'm just going to mm-hmm. run at him just just to hammer him with one huge punch, yeah. and that's yeah. it. That's a great monologue he's got there. And then, and then shoot, like, surround that whole event with a whole bunch of the Golden Age characters, too. Yes. So, um, like, who's there? Because they, at least they think they reference Alan Scott, or Alan Scott is in there. They, oh, yeah, they, they reference that Alan was there, and they left before the fight Oh, that's over. right. Oh, yeah, because they see Rick Flagg. I'm like, I want nothing to do with this guy. Yes. And they go out of there. Yeah, but Selena's there, and Dinah, I think, is there, yes. too. Yes, right? so Black Canary. You've got, and I yeah. love that Selena is, is hooking up with Ted Knight. That, oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, well, yeah. And just, like, I think the Vegas scene, too, gives them a chance to just really embrace that art style yes. too just that visual look I mean it's like that because uh, you know Vegas now is so different than Vegas in the 60s that kind of like old fashioned kind of glitzy how lucky Vegas. can one guy exactly yeah I mean like they literally have Sinatra singing at one yeah, point yeah. in the comic and it just it's so throughout the whole book there's so many of that just cool kind of like I guess would that be art no not art deco what would that be um, I like that, that retro yeah. retro Mid- future modern I guess so yeah mid-century modern's like 60s I guess would be like before that. Yeah, but I guess that the way we're like the, the back in the fifties, how they projected the future would look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like a yeah. Spa- oh god. Like, I guess oh, then they might have described it as like retro modern. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know. Know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You guys, this is this isn't a, a design podcast. <laughs> no, right? it's not an art history <laughs> podcast. It's not an art history <laughs> podcast. Um, but I ask because I also love the character beat there is but before uh, Barry takes off for them he's just sitting there in a messy apartment oh yeah Iris, like oh I was just cleaning thinking about you yeah, <laughs> like, just like scratching his stomach like <laughs> yeah. yeah not doing anything like yeah okay as a man when you've got super speed like okay I can wait till the last possible second to do any cleaning and it's totally fine that's yeah. what I would do if I had super speed yeah, I'd just get really messy and then know you can clean it up super no, fast yeah I would just do it like I'd be like oh I'll just get up like oh I'll get up 30 seconds before I have to be at work and you, that would you, be so nice I would sleep <laughs> so much more. You'd be the only person in LA that is never late. Yeah. That's true. Right? Yeah, I'm working on it. Slowly, <laughs> slowly but surely. Are you trying to like just slowly amass a pile of chemicals so you can hopefully get struck by lightning? By yeah. yeah, that's the only way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you're wanna, not going to get a lightning storm anytime soon, but gonna, you can get that wall of yeah. chemicals and it'll yeah. be set. Exactly. Yes. Well, I'm not sure as hell not doing it through hard work and discipline if that's <laughs> what you're thinking. No. Always the easy gonna, way out. Easy way out, man. That's what they call me. <laughs> 
so I obviously know you'd recommend this. Seems like you'd recommend this. Yeah, it's just such oh, a yeah. nice way of just taking these like like uh, challenges of the unknown and mm. just having oh, you've got a fighter pilot. Uh, Hal Jordan, also pilot. Why don't we have those two guys really be buddies? Yeah. I just like those nice little connections between those early DC properties that really just make so much sense being uh, presented like this. Yeah. And it's actually, man, I got a question for you because, you know, recommendations. Like, this is something I'd recommend to a, a DC fan, but I think a non-fan too. Like, how did you find it accessible, not necessarily knowing, like, the, the history of DC comics and some of these, like, deeper routed characters? I mean, I think that, I think it was very accessible. Uh, and I think part of that is that it's playing in this world of, it's... It's it's our it's got its own rules already, and it's mm-hmm. got its structure right when you start reading it. I think that when you kind of like seeing um, uh, genre prov, right, like genre improv, it's like okay, you you're even before you go in, it's like with a few lines, you know, this is improvised Tennessee Williams, this is improvised Shakespeare, like, and if you play within the confines of that world and you do it well, then it the rest of it's cake. Right. Yeah. So like this has set a time period for itself and that gives you a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. It gives you a pace. It gives you a plot, you know, with that a story. So I think that with those kind of touchstones already in place, it's a little easier to grab onto and follow versus okay. like a futuristic world where you're like yeah. everything's new and you're having to like r- learn it. It's like I didn't, you know, I'm not, I love, I like history now, but I wasn't like a, a stellar history student mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I was like, oh, right, I remember, <laughs> cl- you know, classic that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I remember those things. And so um, I think feeling as a reader feeling like you already kind of know where you are and at what time period you're in, it kind of gives you a foundation to stand on. And mm-hmm. then you can kind of, you can fit more characters in that way. Right? Okay, yeah. Because you're not now like, oh, now I've got to learn about the, oh, fuck, what's it called? The Speed speed Force? Speed, speed Force. Yeah. Yes, Speed Force. Nailed yeah. it. It's like, I don't have to like learn how that works. Like, because it's like, oh, right, we're in this war and we're in this part of our history and um, this is proper and this isn't. And so- I actually found this to be very uh, accessible, mm-hmm. more so than some other. You don't have to worry, you know, yeah, a little bit easier. Kind of like setting in real world history, and mm-hmm. especially because as deep as it goes, it also it's a lot of broad strokes of history. It like, is. You know, you know Korea, you know Vietnam, you know civil rights, you know the right. space race, so it's easy to just kind of jump in at those. But I think there's that parallel, right? It's mm-hmm. like, right, I know Wonder Woman, and I know Superman, and I know Batman, but I don't know the entire world. Yeah. And I know, like, Nixon... And I know, yeah. you know, the like the, you know, different movies from that age. And I know, generally speaking, the history, but I don't know all of history, but I was still able to keep up on both of those things. You know, so I think it's like just enough specifics to kind of keep you afloat. I still don't know what a phanta- uh, phantasm, phantasm. Oh, wait, Phantom Stranger? No, Phantasm. There's a Phantasm. <laughs> there's like a thing, not Phantom Stranger. There's like a thing near the end that it's like a oh. Phantom Zone? Phantom Zone? No, the Phantom Zone's no. not in here. No, because there's that like brief interlude at the like in the climax when we jump to all the the magical characters like up on the moon and they're debating whether they should interfere or not. Mm. Is that what you're talking about? Because that that's the Phantom, Phantom Stranger. Phantom? I'm just thinking words now. I'll come up with it and then I'll bring it up <laughs> oh, another podcast. Is it like um, the Adam with the the white dwarf Was star it? and it shrinks everything what down? What is that? So that's what they use to destroy the creature. Is that so? The the Adam, the character, he has yeah. like a it's like a device powered by a white dwarf star that yes. allows him to shrink. And so this is pre Adam as a character, but Cook took some liberties and used uh, Ray Palmer as a scientist and that technology. There was a word that was used that I was like, well, I should know what that is. And it's like a it was like a comic book word that I don't remember what it was. I'll look it up and I'll find it and then I'll bring it up and you can be like, oh, you silly person. That was, was it. That, that was the word. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, um, I don't yeah. know. So yeah, I would uh, I would recommend it. I think it's good for. Pe- I think obviously if you 
already have a background on the characters, and it's a really nice. It's just a really nice piece of literature. Yeah, well, you know, reading something like this that's pretty much just the product of one man's creativity. Mm-hmm. Does it Which make is you more amazing. Excited? Yes. Does it make you more excited to read more of his work or more excited to just read about the characters or both? Kind of oh. both. Kind of both. I'd like to know a little more about the characters that I don't know anything about. Um, and I'm definitely interested in, in his work. And so I'd love to know uh, before we, because we should probably wrap up soon, um, I'd love to know kind of what else he did. No, other than just his television work. I'm trying to think. I mean, I he think. did. Uh, he did. Uh, oh, uh, he did a great thing with Ed Brubaker for. Uh, he worked on the first few issues of Catwoman, okay. and they kind of rebooted that. But he also oh, did that's a, right. uh, uh, Selena's Big Score, where it's just like a little standalone graphic novel that Ed Brubaker and no, Darwin Cook wrote and drew it as well. Oh, okay. Was cool. that was that collected <clears throat> in Batman Ego and Other Tales? Was I think that? so. Yeah, because that's what the, yeah. I think the only other thing I've have of his in the same art style, same kind of writing. Hmm. He's. He, He's absolutely amazing. That. Yeah, that, that's that a really sounds, fun... That sounds really fun. That's a really good story. He also did a bunch of... Um, he was busy working for IDW doing uh, interpretations of the... Oh, gosh. gosh uh, the name of the character, Mel Gibson, played him in Payback. Uh, uh, Parker. Anyway, Parker, that's it. Yes. Oh, there we go. Uh, a bunch of the Parker novels. He was reinterpreting those, which were really cool to see because he definitely has a passion for that kind of time period and that kind of genre, that that's kind of cool. style. I think it shows, right? You read that. You read the passion on the page. Oh, that's right. He did a reboot of The Spirit, too. Yes, that's a great one, too. Stallion of the Cimarron? (laughs) (laughs) No. Nice. Oh, that is a good pull. (laughs) Deep Uh, cuts. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) No, I don't know if you remember the the terrible movie that came out a number of years ago, The Spirit. Stallion of the Cimarron? No. uh, (laughs) This was um, Will Eisner's character oh, from like the yeah, 1930s yeah. Yes, like yes, the, yes. the suit and the tie and everything I like did that. not see that but I yeah. know what you're movie, talking about movie movie was terrible yeah um cool trailer like the, the look of it was awesome but terrible movie but no his his run on that was good I, I've only found like the first collected volume I need to try and track down the rest of it but I really liked it because yeah I think he did 12 issues in total and they're great yeah I mean I feel like so many people, other people have tried to feel like, how do you take Will Eisner's, like, I mean, he such a seminal creator mm-hmm. uh, and the way he just broke down pages and layouts and storytelling. Uh, some people feel like, how do you kind of pay homage to that, but also make it your own thing? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like he straddled that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good. Like, you could see the influences, but you definitely felt like this was definitely Darren Dar- Dar- Cook's yeah. story. No, I mean, I, he was the master of kind of taking that that old-fashioned storytelling and making it contemporary. So, like, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm... I, I know you probably know this, but so he actually died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So sad when I saw that because he's yes. such, a, such an amazing creative talent. And, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from uh, stories that I read, I mean, he he's definitely did not suffer fools uh, at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, yeah, he would disagree with people and let them know. He was a guy that would, like, call you on your stuff and let you know you're not, you're, you're phoning it in. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably why we don't see his work. He's not as prolific as some other people, but like what he has done is really, really good. So I think it's very authentic to him. Yeah. So there you go. So if you if you have read this, if you haven't read it, hopefully you've, we've convinced you to, to give it a try. And if you have read it and want further reading, then we just list off some options for you. Yeah. So yeah. check it out. Uh, one of, as I was we were talking about this, one other title, I don't know if you've read this, Chris, uh, The Golden Age. It was James Robinson and Paul Smith, but it takes place, kind of an alternative story of the Justice Society back at the end of World oh. War II. Hmm. Uh, but just reading, seeing the JSA characters that I touched on a little bit in this movie, like, oh yeah, the Golden Age, that's a really good story. I think actually, I think that might have been referenced in his notes too as one of the things he pulled from. Oh, nice, because that's that's a really fun story. Mm, I would read that. Yeah, it's really, it just came out, they just re-released it last week in a new hardcover collection. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful art by Paul Smith. All right. And James Robinson back like it is, back when he was doing Starman, so kind of in that, just firing at all cylinders, James Mm -hmm. Robinson, which I feel like now, I feel like, ah, I feel like he's like a shadow of his former self. Oh, man. 
That's yeah. so harsh. It's too bad. It's a shame. <laughs> that, it's a shame. I feel bad. Trevor, do you agree with that assessment before we get going? Yeah, for Th- sure. Thank you. Would you say that he's the ghost in his own shell? Oh, yeah, yeah. The last, I mean, to be fair, the last real good gasp he had was Earth 2. He did the first, like, 12 or so issues of the New 52 Earth, Earth 2 book, and that was a lot of fun, I felt. But then it just sort of had a couple different writers change hands and just sort of started falling apart from there. Yeah, Earth 2 World's End was like watching a, uh, a, a 24-issue snuff film, and it was just like, yeah. and I read oh it, I, I bought it on and read it, and I was like, oh, this is just so depressing. So I mean, that's bummer. harsh. I've read some crazier shit than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just basically like every Earth 2 character, hope you enjoy your crappy life, because here's the start of it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, all right, that ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah right, there you go. <laughs> we uh, started on such a high note. We tell the truth, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to lie to you. Sometimes knowing what not to read is as valuable as knowing what to read. There That's it true. is. We'll put that on a shirt. Yeah, there's only so much TV or films or books that you can read, and so we're doing our best to just yeah. steer away from the bad stuff, celebrate the good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, okay, so we got to wrap up here soon. Um, what are we reading for next week? <laughs> Uh, Did you have anything that you super want to try that's maybe a little different than what we did? Oh, well, now you're... How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking because I was like, wait, there are a lot of things we just talked about that I really want to read, but they're so they're probably going to be similar in vain. Is there anything that you mm. want to read that isn't one of those things that's similar? Well, I mean, oh, gosh, I, I was I jazzed about read The Golden Age. I was really jazzed about reading that. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to read The Golden Age, we can't. Is it super similar to this, though? No, no. I mean, it takes place back in World War II, and it's all it doesn't have any of these characters in it. It's all Justice Society characters. The only you'll see our man in there, but whole whole other lineup of characters. And you're really trying to convince me to yes. read the Golden Age. Can we do that like um, like maybe a week do, from next week. Yeah, or do you want to do Selena's Big Score? Do you want to read that with Ed Brubaker and Darwin Cook? I feel like you're talking to me like I'm Josie. Do you want? Do it? Is, that what you want? <laughs> Is that what you want? Um, I do. Or do you Is it going to uh, be too about, similar? How about Wicked and Divine? Yes. All right. We're getting divine. Yes, that's great. And then we can do one of those the week after because uh, I just want to put a little spacer, a little palate cleanser. I got it. All right. All right. Wait, so Wicked and Divine, fabulous. Wicked and Divine. Is that the one where um, it's like the gods come back and they're celebrity? Yes. Okay. So I, I, I read about that. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard it's really, really good. I'm very is, excited. Yeah. I've had it sitting on my in my um, comicsology queue forever, and I haven't gotten to read it yet. So great. So we're gonna read Wicked and Divine. Very exciting. There you go. Be able to burn that off. Now. That's right. Yes. You write it off. Write yeah. off the list. So before, uh, as we're talking about celebrating stuff. Let's mm-hmm. celebrate Chris Lord for coming in today. Can we do that? Today. Oh, we well, thank you. you. Everybody, if you're at home, just clap. Yes. A bit. We're not going to clap, so we're going to blow out Trevor's ears. Thank oh, you. Oh, Trevor's doing a little golf clap. I, I can yeah. hear yeah, Trevor's clap in real life, and I can hear everyone else in my soul. I guess yeah, I yeah, can feel it. Is. So. Thank you so much. And tell us, so you want to quickly plug your podcast so everybody knows where to find you? Yeah, so uh, it's called Tim Talk, and what we're doing, and Cameron, friend, and I, we're going through and watching uh, every episode of every show created by... Bruce Tim in the DC anime universe. So it started with Batman Animated Series and it's going to run through and include Superman and Justice League, Static Shock, Batman Beyond, Justice League Limited, all of it, all the movies that are spaced in there too. Uh, we're talking all of it. And so it's just basically us watching the show and then two idiots talking about Batman. And I. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, we can yeah. talk about Batman forever. So <laughs> not specifically the movie Batman Forever. We do that a lot though, but no, we can just talk about it endlessly. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> so good. Uh, where can they find you on social medias? Uh, so the podcast is at Tim Talk Pod on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I'm at uh, Lordifer, which I have to explain to people. It's not like Lucifer. It's Lordifer, L-O-R-D-O-P-H-E-R. It's my last name and the latter half of my first name. 
Chris nice. Well, Someone pointed out to me recently that they didn't know what I was saying when I said Florida first. <laughs> okay. so I, I, I right. feel like I, now I have to explain it. All right, great. Um, uh, and let's give a shout out to your partner, Cameron, for the designs for the table. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so nice. Yeah, I mean, job. I'm so happy that I have Cameron, not only because we just, I love hanging out with him, we get to talk about comic books all the time, but yeah, he's an amazing artist. And so yeah, he does a new art for every single episode we do, pretty much. And then the cool thing is he's been doing them for our crossover episodes. Yeah, I'm all, always excited. Yeah. I should have Cameron take a stab at a new logo for us because I paid a stranger and I didn't like what they did. So we've still got our old logo. <laughs> so pay somebody you know. <laughs> yeah, pay somebody yeah, you know, yeah, man. You know, yeah. Why don't yes. I just do that? No, uh, no he, he's awesome. I'm really excited to see what he comes up with for Guardians because I feel like Lego Batman and, and Logan were kind of like more obvious choices. He did great jobs with them. But like Guardians, there's so many different things you can do. So Right, so really put the pressure on him while he's not here. Great oh, job. I do that all the, all the time uh, anyways. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Speaking of our, because uh, our next crossover is it Guardians or do we have something before that? It's Deadpool it's, or Guardians? Guardians. It's Guardians. Yes, it's Guardians. So, Thank which you. Is, uh, yeah, that first Sunday in May. Then, right? Yeah, coming uh, up pretty quick. Yeah, coming up soon. Yes, right after so. Free Comic Book Day, guys. Get excited! Ooh, oh, it's gonna be a yeah, weekend of right. fun. Yeah, whole weekend of fun. Uh, Trevor, they can find at the podcast of Two Worlds. Check out his podcast if you like the Flash. He's clearly the authority. But even if you don't like the Flash and you just like Trevor, yeah, and Chris, yeah. check them out del- too. Deliciously yeah. microphone voice that you heard tonight. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh yeah. There it is. Oh, God, so Fabulous. sultry. Uh, Frank, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. Mm-hmm. Posting those sweet food pics. That's right. As I as my Instagram uh, followers increase, so does my waistline. That's and right. There you go. There's just more you to love, baby. Oh, no. That's got to stop. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's thematically relevant. Honorable sacrifice. That's, yeah. that's there right. You go. Exactly. <laughs> I eat that pizza for you guys. <laughs> really committed. Really committed to the cause. And how uh, about you, Amanda? Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Comic Book Novice on Instagram. Um, and they can email. They can find both of us in email us at uh, thenoviceandfrank at gmail.com um, email suggestions guys please uh, rate, review and subscribe if you could do that that would be amazing it really it makes my day I'm still talking I came today and I was still giddy from a, a somebody who like put a little note on our pod bean how much they liked the, the podcast so it really does make our day and um, and it really we'd like people to hear this if you think it's relevant right. so please do that if you have the time your comments are the only thing that keep us going yeah you yeah. really you really keep keep us alive so thank you we're very much like Tinkerbell if you don't clap we just wither up and die uh, so thank you so much for listening we'll be back uh, next week same bad time same bad channel that's right mm-hmm uh, but of course, if we're going to do this, we have to sing ourselves out. We do. Please feel free to jump in if you'd like. If you'd oh, like I'm good. You guys, <laughs> you guys do such an amazing job. But I would only slow you down. So okay. by all means. All right. Okay. <laughs> I've got super speed, but I'm also super lazy. I got a super helmet with big super wings. <laughs> My girlfriend's in danger. I got to get to Vegas. These girls are attacking. I got to tell Superman what's what. But I also got time to pull some slots because I'm super fast. In my super plane, it's invisible except for all the blood. There's so much going on. Free this freaking book because it's really stupid fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Chris Lord, solo. Thanks, guys. I'm not even, I'm not even going to fucking attempt it. It's not worth it. He just did what he could on the night. Yeah. <laughs> and Frank. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs>